Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Good evening. Wow. This is fantastic. We've got a really a good house tonight. How is everyone? Awesome. Josh, thank you so much for that kind intro. I want to share uh, parts of a Bible study that uh, my family has been going through in preparation for Good Friday, and that, that Bible study is from Hebrews, but I want to begin with a verse from, a few verses from Luke. Before we do, I just want to say to our Father, thank you for this opportunity today. Thank you for this opportunity to gather. Thank you for this opportunity to worship. And thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit, that we can hear and that you can open our eyes to understand your word. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 46. Now, before I read these verses, I want to tell you that when I was young and I was going to church and it came to this time of the year and people would talk about Good Friday, I honestly had a question in my mind and it was in my mind for a long time. And that was, what is good about Good Friday? What is good about Good Friday? Luke. 23, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, because the sun's light failed. The temple curtain was torn in two, then Jesus called out with a loud voice from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and after He said this, he breathed his last breath. Wow. And that's just the end of it. What's good about Good Friday? I mean, you know, let's think about, so even just prior to Good Friday, we are coming up on, in in the New Testament, we're coming up on the celebration, which was a an important celebration, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Most of us know that as the Passover time, right? So, and the Passover was the celebration of when the children of Israel were set free from Egypt. And we were talking about this as a family, right? How, how did that happen? It was the plagues that came, and the last one God said to Moses, have the people sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of that lamb on the doorposts and you will not experience death. And through that, they were released 
from captivity and from slavery into freedom. So this is the celebration that is about to happen. And just before this holy event, this festival happens, one of the disciples of Jesus decides to betray him. And this is where it all begins. I'm an actor, and so when I read through the gospel, you know, everything in the ministry of Jesus, he's got enemies, but everything is going really, really well. It's just an amazing ministry. Disciples and more followers are coming and miracles, and it's just brilliant. And then one of his disciples decides to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And then the dominoes begin rolling. So then they have Passover meal, and at that meal, Judas gets up, walks out to turn Jesus over to his enemies. Even at that meal, his disciples begin an argument about which one of them is the greatest. How, this is not good. They go to the garden to pray, and it's there that the soldiers come and they arrest Jesus. They lead him away and they take him to a religious court where Jesus is beaten, tried, convicted, condemned for heresy and blasphemy. And from there, he goes, he sent to a Roman court. The governor says, I can't find anything wrong with him. But then Jesus is beaten, mocked by Roman soldiers. And then he is tortured, the beginning of what begins his death. He's whipped until he's nearly dead. In a crowd that had cheered for him, many of them had cheered for him, they began to cry out that he be tortured to death on a Roman cross. And then it says, at nine o'clock, the final part of this agony begins. Nine o'clock in the morning, on Friday, they nail him to a cross of torture between two criminals in his slow, painful, the final part of his slow, painful death begins. What's so good about Friday? It can feel heavy, right? My, my, my. Well, what we need to do, let's, I want us to travel back in time before we hit Hebrews. We're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Now, when we say Old Testament and New Testament, there are actually it's a word that's covenant. Testament and covenant means the same thing. And so we've talked about this in, in our family. Covenant is an agreement between two people, okay? Right? You can have a marriage covenant. You can have a business covenant. So the Old Testament, the whole thing is about an agreement. It's an agreement between God and man. It's an agreement between God and Abraham, between God and Israel and the children of Israel. 
And eventually at one point, as we just said, they are in Egypt, enslaved, in bondage. And God raises up Moses, and through that they are set free. And then God makes a covenant with those people. And this is part of that covenant. This is from Leviticus chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Once a year, this was to happen. This was, this was the sin offering that would happen. The high priest must bring a bull to the entrance of the meeting tent before the Lord. So this is also called the tabernacle. This is where all of the worship happened. The main worship was centered around the tabernacle. And in it, there were different things like the Ark of the Covenant. So the high priest was to lay his hands on the head of the bull, and the bull was to be slaughtered before the Lord. Then the high priest was to take some of the blood of that bull and bring it into the meeting tent. Now, the meeting tent had two parts to it. There was a place called the holy place and the most holy, or the holy of holies. The high priest was to dip his fingers in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the curtain or the veil of the most holy place. He was to put blood on the horns of the altar before the Lord in that meeting tent. And all the rest of the blood he was to pour out at the base of the altar of the burnt offering that is at the entrance of the meeting place. Now, one of the things that I want you to, to do with me is use your imaginations, because this is very important for us. So, there is a tent, okay? So, let's say you are priests, and you get to come into the first part, the holy place. That's right, only the priests could even come into the holy place. But now, here, there's a curtain. And even you are not allowed to go into there. Only, think about this, only the high priest could go in there, and only once a year for this special thing. Huh. I mean, there's the power of God. There's intimacy with God. And you, if you're a priest, are even locked out here. If you aren't a priest, you are out there. That's, that's the reality of the holiness of God. And God said even to Aaron, who was the high priest, he said, you cannot come in here to the most holy place without blood or you will die. You see, God wasn't saying don't come there because I don't want you to come. He said, I don't want you to come because I am so powerful and holy that it will kill you if you come into my presence. Wow. And God did amazing things with these people. But this was the relationship that they had with him, shut off by a curtain. That curtain represented our sin that separated us from God. 
Let's go to Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 9. One of the things that I want to um, convey to you as, as we look at this very quickly The book of Hebrews is written to believers who are Jewish or come from the Hebrew faith, from the 12 tribes of Israel. But the book is written to believers who were excited about the gospel. So these are not new believers. They had been excited about the gospel, okay? They had been really invigorated, whoo, on fire for Jesus. They had even suffered for Jesus, but now they are growing tired and they're kind of losing their perspective and that's the reason this book is written. So if that's you, I pray that your hearts are really open to what is here. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, and I will, I'm going to pull out some of the words so we can go through this a little bit quicker. Now the first covenant right, the agreement between God and man, had regulations for worship. The tent was separated into the outer part called the holy place and the second part separated by a tent called the holy of holies. These things were prepared so that the priests could continually perform their duties in the outer tent, but only the high priest entered once a year into the inner tent Listen to this. And not without blood that he offers for himself and for the sins of the people. Not without blood. Hebrews 9, 18 through 22. So the first covenant was inaugurated or begun or initiated, empowered. The first covenant was empowered with blood. Because even when Moses spoke every command to all the people about the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and he sprinkled on the book, on the law. He sprinkled blood on the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded you to keep. And both the tabernacle and all of the utensils used for worship were all sprinkled with blood. Indeed, according to the law, almost everything was purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So everything was purified with the blood. With what blood? With the blood of goats and bulls. It's interesting that Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant, right? Now, remember when Jesus is having that last supper with the disciples, what did he say? He said, this cup, take it and drink. This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my 
blood. My blood. Every time we come together and we have the Lord's Supper, every time we take communion together, remember it. This is the new covenant in my blood. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. And so now, Christ has come as the high priest of the good things yet to come. He has entered once for all into the most holy place, not through the blood of goats and bulls, but by his own blood. And so he himself has secured an eternal redemption, an eternal purification for us. He says, if it was possible for those who were defiled to be consecrated and purified at the time through the blood of goats and bulls, how much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal Spirit of God, who has offered himself up without blemish, how much more will that blood purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God. This is such an important, significant idea. I just want to stop here for a moment because this is what we're talking about. You see, it isn't that we often don't want to do good, right? We want to do good, but our thoughts... Josh was just talking about this earlier. Our thoughts are wicked. Our, our very inner being, who we are, has been so stained by sin that we want to worship God and our thoughts are impure. And this is saying that Jesus himself has become our priest. And through his own blood, he puts that upon us. And that blood has the power to purify our thoughts, our motivation, what we are wanting out of life, where we have come from. That blood is powerful. Beyond bulls and goats, it is the blood of the Son of God. The blood of Christ has the power to purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God. Okay, I want to bring us to Matthew 27. And I want you to think again The holy place, curtain, and the most holy place. And in the temple, there was the same. In the temple, there was a curtain. And only the high priest 
could go there. So here I am, and I need the help of God. Amen? Here I am, and I need, I need a change. I don't, I don't just need to go and present an offering so that I can feel that I am forgiven, and God says I'm forgiven for another year. I need a change in me. Amen? But I am locked out. I'm locked out by sin. In Good Friday, Matthew 27, 38 through 51, again, we'll, we'll read just parts of it. And two criminals were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by defamed him. They shook their heads at him. And in the same way, even the chief priests, even the chief priests, together with the experts of the law, were mocking him. Saying, come down from the cross and save yourself. Verse 45. Now, from noon until three, darkness came all over the land. And at about three o'clock, Jesus shouted out with a loud voice. And now I want to go back down to verse 50. And once again, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. He cried out with a loud voice. Father! And he releases his spirit into the hands of God. And as he does it, just then, the temple curtain tore in two from the top to the bottom. I love, I love that it includes this as well. And the earth shook and rocks were split apart. All of a sudden, we see that is Good Friday. That is Good Friday. It is that moment when you were separated from the intimacy with God. I was separated from the intimacy with God. And that curtain was split in two. And this is the power of God. This is the power of the Son of God who gave his life willingly for us. It split the rocks in two. That is what is good about Good Friday. Everything that separated us, everything that separated us from God, everything right now that is separating you from God, 
lost its power on that day. In that moment, there is no longer a need for any high priest to go into that room for you because Jesus is your high priest. On that day, intimacy with God for you and for me became possible because he was willing to be mocked and tortured, to take every bit of sin and shame and guilt upon himself. For us, my, that, that is great news. That is Good Friday. Hebrews 10. Now we'll close with this. Here's the conclusion from Hebrews. Therefore, since we now have great confidence, whoo, how exciting. Since we now have great confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus, by this fresh and living way, this fresh and living covenant inaugurated for us through the curtain of his own flesh. So he allowed his own flesh to be torn as a curtain for us that we could enter in. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with sincere hearts in the, in the assurance of faith because we have had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. That is Good Friday. When I would come to this time of the year, I would say, I know, I know what's good about the resurrection. That's exciting. But Good Friday... It was painful for, for him because he chose to take on that suffering for us. But it is good for us because it is on that day. The resurrection is needed, but it is on that day that intimacy with God is made possible for every one of us. Jesus said to his disciples, ask, ask God. Ask, ask, ask. Knock, knock, knock. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Because your father wants to give you good things. And actually, Jesus said, the father wants to give you the Holy Spirit. And that is truly the intimacy with God. As Josh was saying, don't, don't think about the Holy Spirit in any kind of way that frightens you. The Holy Spirit has been given to us that we might have intimacy with God, that we might have intimacy and know Jesus Christ in our lives. That is for Josh. That is for Peter. That's for me, and that is for you, every one of you. And that 
is the awesome news of Good Friday. Amen. Father, I pray that you would take the simplicity of this idea and really help us to understand it. That the curtain is torn now. And we have access through the power of the blood of Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718 See you next time.